You know, it is funny that in the Old Testament, the only one of the Ten Commandments with a promise is the honor your mom and dad. And you know what the promise is? If you honor your mom and dad, you live longer. It's amazing. You can go read it for yourself. And I try and tell my children that when I am on duty raising my children in that way. I'm like, look, you honor us, you'll live longer. I promise. Uh, in this house, anyways. Uh, so... Uh, it is good to consider the children and consider ourselves as children because we'll see the tone of the, the Proverbs writer in this is very much father's heart for his kids. And so um, I would, as if you are a parent or if you are in that world right now and you're like, I can't be used, I'm trying to figure out how do I get... Your greatest investment in the kingdom, you could be tucking into bed at night. I want you to know that. And I want you to feel that because it should cause us a holy, uh, wow, this is a responsibility that I have been handed to raise someone for the kingdom. And so as a parent, never forget that your greatest investment in the kingdom could be the one you are kissing on the forehead at night and shutting the door and praying for them and encouraging them. So uh, never, never, ever underestimate the power and the role that you have as a parent to cause someone to see Christ in your life. Um, and as we've been talking about wise man once say, we could be talking about the age-old wisdom of Yoda and uh, Gandalf and Patches O'Hulahan and all these other wise people that this culture has brought to us. But one of my favorite proverbists, if that's a word, it should be a word if it's not, um, as, a, as a middle schooler, I discovered the wisdom of Jack Handy. I don't know if you've ever been uh, privileged to experience Jack Handy's wisdom, but I grew up reading this guy's stuff. And he said in his first one that I, I actually remember is, it's easy to sit there and say you'd like to have more money, and I guess that's what I like about it. It's easy, just sitting there, rocking back and forth, wanting that money. Like, I love that wisdom, like, because that is easy. Uh, he said, uh, the other one, I, I actually tried to use this in high school. To me, it's always a good idea to always carry two sacks of something when you walk around. That way, if anybody says, hey, can you give me a hand? You can say, sorry, got these sacks. And it's, uh, it's going to help you guys in life, I promise. Uh, he also said this, if you go to a costume party at your boss's house, wouldn't you think a good costume would be to dress up like the boss's wife? Trust me, it's not. And my final favorite Jack Handy wisdom is, I hope that after I die, people will say of me, that guy sure owed me a lot of money. Um, <laughs> Jack Handy is brilliant, and he cracks me up. My, my wife doesn't laugh as hard at, as I do at it, but that's okay. Um, this morning, as we are, are continuing in wisdom, I'd love for us to just revisit something we may or may not be aware that we do. This morning, as we talk about wisdom, wise fool, I hope you can listen with the ears of, this is for me. Nine times out of ten, what we do is we go, oh, so-and-so needs to hear this. Or I wish someone else was here to hear this. And I understand that. That is a very good and caring and, and, and good thing. It's, it's remembering other people in the, in the phase of life that they are. And I get that. I understand that. that is, that's natural. But I think sometimes we can be so consumed with the Lord leading someone else that we forget that he wants to lead us. 
Like the wisdom of this book is not just for someone else in another position of life. It's for us to hear and to apply. So this morning, as we talk about wise and foolish, you're going to have people come to your mind. Oh, they really need to hear this. Great. Pray for them. But how could the Lord this morning want to lead you with his wisdom? It's generous wisdom. And he wants to lead us. But if we are so consumed with him leading someone else, we will miss him leading us. Man, it's so awesome when the Lord leads his people. There is no greater place than to be in the place where he is speaking and we are listening and he is leading. Uh, And so this morning, um, consider that he might want to meet with you. Yes, he will deal with the other people that are coming to your mind. But what if he wants to speak to you through the wisdom of Solomon? Last week, Tim started our journey in the Proverbs, and we looked at the portrait of a fool, and he mentioned several different types of fools. The one who just doesn't know is kind of admitting, I I don't know things, and I need to know things. The one who is teachable. He mentioned the one who is very stubborn and and hard-headed and just doesn't get things. It's just thick-skulled. And then he mentioned the one that is purposely doing the wrong thing, the evil fool, the one who says there is no God and does his own thing all the time and refuses instruction. More than that, he said the question of the hour is, how do you and I know when we are being foolish? And if you're looking at yourself through your own eyes, you will not see your foolishness. His landing place was, we need another set of eyes to look on us and help us discern my life where I'm headed, what I'm doing, and ultimately inviting people to community, but more than that, allowing God to be the one who speaks to us and says, this is the way you're to go, walk in it. So this week, I'd love for us to consider just a very simple overview of why the Proverbs and what the Proverbs are about and for. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 23 Listen to the invitation. Come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. Have you just paused for a moment to consider that the Lord is inviting us to come close to him so that he can make us wise? We could just stop there and consider that invitation. Because it changes everything. It is a game changer in our view of who God is, how generous he might be, how stingy he is, or whatever thoughts we have about who God is and the wisdom that he offers us. This is a game changer. Come and listen to my counsel. I'll share from my heart with you and make you wise. There's a a deep appeal in the Proverbs, and you'll see it if you just continue to read. And and our gel group has decided, you know, there's 31 days in in October, there's 31 Proverbs, we're just going to read a proverb a day and chew on it. And when we get back together in our gel group, we're just going to talk about what stood out, which one leaped out of the page and hit us in the face this week. So maybe that's something you might want to consider doing on your own or grabbing somebody and doing this with them, if you would. But there's a deep appeal to my dear son, my child in the Proverbs. In the Old Testament, it was the priest's responsibility to give the people the law of God. In the Old Testament, it was the prophet's responsibility to give the word of God to people. But did you know whose responsibility it was to pass on the wisdom of God to their kids? Mom and dad. Mom and dad were the one who were given the task 
of handing the wisdom of God to their children. They were the ones who saw that putting the law into practice, putting the word of God into practice, led to life and health and and all the different things that they longed for. It was mom and dad's responsibility to hand this wisdom to the next generation. Now imagine the sense that you feel in hoping that your kids will heed your warnings and your words. Imagine the, the sensing that you have that you're just going, man, I really hope my kids don't make the same mistakes I did. Imagine the longing that as a parent you feel towards your children going, I really hope they get this. The desperation almost, because you know that should they choose this route, you know the end route for it. It's the very same call I see the Proverbs crying out. It's often said, wisdom cries out to us. And I feel like it is. It is a desperate, it's a desperate, desperate call because the result is life or death for most cases. And in Proverbs, we see a reflection of Romans chapter 8, verse 15. So you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba or Daddy Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are his children. The book of Proverbs is not a bunch of things that you do that will get you salvation or life. The book of Proverbs comes from a right understanding that I'm his kid, he's the father, he's imparting his wisdom to me, and it brings me great joy to know that, first of all, he rescued me, he adopted me, he made me a part of his family, and now he doesn't just want me to stay put, he's wanting to give me full life. And that's what Proverbs points us to. I think sometimes we read Proverbs and we go, oh, it's great, it's information, I've got to start. I got to put all of these things into practice, and somehow that's how salvation comes about. That's not how we read the Proverbs. The Proverbs is coming from a father's heart to his kids. The theme of all Scripture is communicated in Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This is the theme of Scripture. This from cover to cover. Genesis to Revelation is, do I trust my own wisdom or do I trust the wisdom of God? Do I trust my own plans or do I trust the plan of God? Do I trust that He really does love me? But I have other views of who God is. Well, what does His Word say about how He loves? What does His Word say about His plan of salvation? What does His Word say about how I'm to live? These are always going to go back to, do I trust him or do I trust me? And what scripture lays out for us is that God is trustworthy. From our loving father, we see not just a dad who's concerned about our eternal destination, although we cannot downplay the importance of eternity. I think sometimes the pendulum swings to the extreme on both sides. Because as a church, we've always been so consumed with, I've got my golden ticket, I've got my mansion in heaven, I'm just going to glory, I'm sitting and I'm chilling and I'm doing nothing until we're out of here. And then we swing to the other side of the pendulum as well. It's all about what Jesus came to do for us now. Right now, this is the kingdom, we're supposed to live this, don't worry about eternity, right now, how do we bring the kingdom? And so we forget about both sides, and what we see is a father who, yes, who cares about our eternity, but he also wants to give us instruction for the here and now, and how we are to live, and how this kingdom of God that Jesus came to bring actually shows up. And it is a beautiful picture 
of a father's invitation. And what we see through Proverbs is that ignoring God cannot succeed. Ignoring Him will not succeed. In the end game, you may see somebody who's lived their whole life without God, but in the end game, what the Scriptures communicate is it cannot succeed and it will not succeed. But what we see in the Scriptures and through the Proverbs and the wisdom of God is that trusting Him cannot fail. This is what we see in the Scripture. That trusting God, regardless of circumstances, trials, struggles, or suffering, trusting Him will never fail. So what is, the, what is wisdom described as? Because I believe that gives us a good sense of where we're headed. Wisdom in the Proverbs is described as a shield or a guard or something to watch over our lives. I don't know if you guys like the Bear Grylls shows, the Survivor Man shows, all those different shows that are about how to do things in the wilderness. There has been one time in my life that I have said out loud, if I hadn't watched Bear Grylls and Survivor Man, I would not have known how to do something. But it's, that's really what wisdom does when it guards our life. And I don't know if you've been down that road before, but you're like, man, if I had not, fill in the blank, I would not have made this decision. That's what wisdom does. It watches over us. It guards us. It protects us from making the mistakes or falling into the traps that those before us have actually fallen into. That's the beauty of the scripture is we get to sit with people's experiences and failures. I mean, to have all of your failures recorded for all mankind to go, don't want to be that guy. I mean, that's what we see in the scripture. (laughs) You have the wisdom of the ages sitting with you as you open this word that is inspired by God to keep you and guard you and protect you. That's where the Proverbs take us. Not only do they protect us, but it actually says that the wisdom of the Proverbs leads us to life. Isn't that what we want? We think we're getting life when we invest ourselves in this, this, or the other. But if we want to be sure about real life, we consider his words. Wisdom's not just for the brain, but also for the heart. In Proverbs chapter 3, listen to these words. My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you'll live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. And just a chapter later, we can see why wisdom must make its way to the heart. Proverbs 4. Guard, this is a warning. Guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. If some of you spent half the amount of time that you do guarding your bank accounts, guarding your heart instead, you might see a different result in your life. If some of you spent half the time guarding your your career, your reputation, and all the stuff that you've invested into guarding these things, if you spent half of that time guarding your heart, you may see a different result coming out of your life. This is a warning because God knows that when our heart gets set on something, it is either foolishness or wisdom. And just as a foolish heart can take you down a foolish path, a wise heart can take you to life. This is, this is what we see through the instruction in Proverbs. 
If you look at the general outline of the book of Proverbs, the first nine chapters, a third of this book is trying to convince us that we need wisdom. A third of the book of Proverbs is invested and spent on us understanding how we are naturally foolish and that we need wisdom. I, I mean, my, my family's been out of town, and so I have been watching martial arts, kung fu cl- flip, uh, cl- uh, flicks all weekend. It's been awesome. I have, Donnie Yen has taken over my screen, and I love it because he's an amazing martial artist, and I just love that stuff. But one of my favorite elements to kung fu movies and to martial arts movies is the wise teacher, hot-headed student. The wise teacher who knows things and the hot-headed student who thinks he knows things. Now, if you've known me for a long time, you also know that I have an, uh, an affection for the Karate Kid. I actually thought, and, and you can show this picture, I thought that I would be the next Karate Kid... Yes, you love that couch, right? Look at that couch back there. The ghee and everything, man. I was ready to kick Johnny in the face if ever need be and, and, and take over that role. But one of the things I loved, you can remove that picture now. Um, <clears throat> one of the things I loved about the Karate Kid, one of the things I absolutely loved was when Miyagi flipped the switch on Daniel. See, Daniel had been coming to Miyagi's house. Miyagi had been instructing him in how to wash cars, how to sand the floor, how to paint the house, how to paint the fence. And Daniel flips on Mr. Miyagi. And rather than me explaining it to you, I just want to show you the moment everything clicks for Daniel. Hey. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Hey, wax on, hat. Wax off. Hat. Concentrate. Look at my eye. Rock a Thumb inside. Wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Wax on. Wax off. Show me paint fence. Up. Down. Up. Down. Up. Down. Other side. Look, I always look, I. Show me paint the house. Side, side. Lock wrist. Side, side. Side, side. Show me wax on, wax off. Show me pen to fence. Hats! Face! Death! Death! Show me side to side. Death! 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 Show me sand of floor. Hats! Face! 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 face 
that face right there, is the moment he understood, I am not as smart as I think I am. I thought I knew what was going on. I thought I knew what was important. I thought I knew that this was wasting my time. But the reality is, Miyagi knew more than he did. And the shock on his face, even when he's doing the things with the stuff and everything, it's like, what is happening? I'm becoming a finely oiled killing machine. And I didn't know it. I could have learned karate from a book or from the YMCA, or I could have my very own Jedi warrior ninja master teaching me. This is the dilemma that you and I are in. And everyone believes themselves to be wise in their own eyes. The first step to wisdom is to understand I am not wise. And you, you might be shocked by that, but it's amazing how many of us will never get wisdom because we already think we know everything. Newsflash, you don't. You might think you do, but the scripture says otherwise. Proverbs 2.16, wisdom will save you from the immoral woman, from the seductive words of the promiscuous woman. There are some of you in this room who, men or women, you keep finding yourselves trapped by this type of description. You keep going, I just, I keep throwing myself at a guy or a girl, and this is, I thought this is what I needed, this is a th- but, but apparently, I don't have the wisdom to avoid those pitfalls. Proverbs 3.13, joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. Look, if you are miserable and you have been living according to your own wisdom and own standards, there could be a problem. And I'm not a doctor, but insanity, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Proverbs 26.11 says, as a dog returns to its vomit... So a fool repeats his foolishness. Are you not hearing the intensity of which we need wisdom? Proverbs chapter 4 says this, get wisdom. I love that. First step to wisdom, get it. (laughs) Right? It's a beautiful, simple instruction that anyone can consider. I love that. A third of this book is convincing us that you and I need wisdom. The last two-thirds of this book is actually the stuff we need to go, oh, I should put that into practice. Oh, I should live that way. Oh, I've been living this way, but the Scripture says to live this way. And we begin to wrestle with and consider those things. And so hopefully, as someone who's sitting in this room, you're going to go, I need wisdom. So then how do I read the the, the, the last two-thirds of Proverbs? I read it slowly. I read it slowly and I consider what I'm seeing and going, what does this say about God and what does this say about me? What does this say about what God is concerned for and what does this say about my fragility, my, me being um, finite and not infinite, what, how easily I can be broken? What does it say about me? And we go slow. We don't fly through things because we allow the Holy Spirit time to address our hearts as we go slow. Through the scriptures. A biblical proverb is a briefly stated, time-tested insight into real life. There are many people I know who are like, Christianity, how does that even help somebody live? Well, actually, it gives us insight to everything that is real life. Jesus not only spoke it, but we find the wisdom in the Old Testament as well. 
It's not long. Do you know why it's briefly stated? Because you and I need moments to go, ah. The aha moment, the pause in between each proverb is so that you and I can go, that just blew my mind. You and I need the recovery time after a sentence that shocks us that we weren't that smart. We need the moments to go, what? That's incredible. You know what? I wish Jason would be briefly stated. Sorry, guys. Not going to happen. They're time-tested, meaning there will never be a time in history that these words do not apply to the human condition. And they are for anyone and everyone to put into practice. The promise of the Proverbs. Just listen to some of these. Proverbs 10.19 Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Do you keep finding yourself in trouble because you speak all the time? Just be quiet. That's all you got to do. Where there are many words, there are many chances to say the wrong thing. That's a Jason proverb. Proverbs eleven sixteen: A gracious woman gains respect, but ruthless men gain only wealth. Notice the word only. The, the writer is communicating wealth ain't that important. This woman's desire for respect, this, this um, a gracious woman gaining respect is more important than some man's consumption with wealth. Only wealth. Meaning it's not as important as we think it is. It's providing us with the what is and what is not. Proverbs 13, 11, Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Man, the number of people on Facebook that are reposting photos of $50,000 because they think the person who posted that is actually going to give them the $50,000 if they repost it, guys, cut it out. If you're in this room and you're posting pictures of money with the hopes that someone's going to give you that money, stop it. From your pastor who loves you, stop it. Proverbs 14.9, fools make fun of guilt, but the godly acknowledge it and seek reconciliation. As a Christ follower, I have seen this happen with people who think of grace in very small ways. They, they just make fun of their sin and their tendency and leaning to do sin rather than say, Lord, I need you to deal with me on this. For someone who understands our sin and why Jesus was on the cross for it, we don't make fun of what kept our Savior in a place that he did not deserve to be. The fool mocks and makes fun of guilt. Proverbs 27, 14, And heed this warning, a loud and cheerful greeting early in the morning will be taken as a curse. I am not a morning person, and I love that this is in the Bible. If, if coffee has not found its way to here before your loud greeting, I could say things that I shouldn't. Too much talk will lead to sin. Proverbs 22.13, the lazy person claims there's a lion out there. If I go outside, I might be killed. Are you someone who is consistently making excuses? Proverbs deals with it. It says there's laziness as the root. This one hurts. Because if I think, oh, my excuses are why I have never... Uh, the Bible is addressing laziness. Proverbs 26, 17, Interfering in someone else's argument is as foolish as yanking a dog's ear. Thank you, Facebook. We have a bunch of dog ear yankers. 
That's what we have. So there is never a time that this wisdom will not be applicable to the human condition. And what stands out about the book of Proverbs to me is that it's God's gracious offer of divine wisdom to foolish sinners' hearts. And it's for anyone and everyone that will hear it. And the beauty of that is that we get to do that together. We get to learn wisdom together. We get to be alongside each other for the journey of getting wisdom. It is such an incredible moment when you see someone who maybe you've been journeying with a gel group who's, who's kind of doing the foolish thing, but as you're praying for them and the word of God is completely consuming them, you see the transformation. You're like, this is incredible. This is, this is someone changing in, the, in front of my eyes. Not because we're trying to like guilt them and guilt trip them, but we're praying and we're asking God to lead them and we're asking the scriptures to speak to them and it's happening. This person is growing into a wise person in front of me. It's incredible to journey that with folks when they see the love of God in that way. But there is a starting point for you and I when it comes to the wisdom of the Proverbs. Proverbs 1.7 says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Proverbs 9.10 says, Fear the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. And in the Psalms, the psalmist echoes these very same sentiments in Psalm 111. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey His commandments will grow in wisdom. Did you hear that? There's a putting of something into practice that causes us to grow in wisdom. You don't just sit around doing nothing and get wise. The Bible says that when we put his instruction into practice, we actually see that it's true and we grow in it. And the psalmist in Psalm 90 says the very same thing in a very in a different way and says Psalm 90:12, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. The fear of the Lord, the understanding that I am not as powerful as I think I am, that my days are numbered, that I have, uh, there is a God who holds breath and heartbeats and life in His hands is consuming. It causes me to go, what? That's huge. And I think sometimes we misunderstand the fear of the Lord and what it really drives us to. Because it's not a, I'm afraid I'm running away fear. My son Kai, who's four years old, and he's done this most of his life, but when we go to a new place, he, he stays really close to my leg. He stays right up on my leg, in fact, and he'll just, I'm like, come on, dude, I'm trying to... But it's him checking out the room and who's in the room and who are the people in the room. And when he gets comfortable, he'll kind of walk away. But when things get too loud or people are goofing off with him or chasing him, he comes and runs right back behind dad's leg. And he grabs on. And you know what he's saying? The fear of my dad. Dad is bigger, badder, stronger than anyone in this room. That's what the fear of the Lord is. The fear of the Lord is us running to Him, not running from Him, because we trust that He's greater and grander and bigger and more powerful than anything else this world has to throw at us. That's the fear of the Lord, and that's the starting place to getting wisdom. It's the foundation of everything. And although the Proverbs is a book built on wisdom and knowing things, Ultimately, God's aim is to give us a knowledge of himself. 
The scriptures above everything else is God revealing himself to his people so that we do not have to guess what he is like. He tells us. And ultimately, as a believer, Jesus perfectly embodies the Proverbs' unique wisdom. You know, Solomon was a genius. Solomon was really smart. But Jesus says when he comes on the scene, as the Pharisees and the religious people of the day are like, Jesus, show us a sign, a miraculous thing, and then maybe we'll believe in you. And Jesus is like, you know what? A wicked and adulterous generation is always consumed with the experience or the, or the, the sign or the, the, the miracle, and you're not seeing me. I'm not giving you anything except the sign of Jonah. And he talks about how Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. And he's like, as, as that happened, the Son of Man will be in the ground for three days and three nights. And here's the problem with that, Jesus says to the Pharisees. The Ninevites repented of their sins when they heard Jonah speak. You guys have the Son of God standing right in front of you, and you refuse his wisdom. The queen of Sheba, who was not a good lady, came to Solomon and listened to Solomon. And Jesus says, queen of Sheba is going to point an accusing finger at the religious Pharisees of the day, saying, I sat with with Solomon, and he was a smart dude, but you guys are sitting with the Son of God, and you still refuse to listen to his wisdom. Jesus came on the scene to be something for us that we don't have on our own Oftentimes, people were amazed at his wisdom and his power and his miracles. But even more than this, Paul gets very specific about who Jesus is on our behalf. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 30, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God, he made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. See, not only does Jesus speak wisdom to us, Jesus became wisdom for us, because he knows our tendency not to be wise. We needed someone on our behalf to go to the cross as that perfect sacrifice, that perfect mediator on our behalf, someone who never acted foolishly, but someone who always walked in the fear of the Lord. That is Jesus. Jesus didn't just speak wisdom. He became wisdom for us. And Paul, in his hopes and his prayers that the church would get it, said it this way in Colossians 2, I want them, the church, to be encouraged And knit together by strong ties of love, I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. Paul is saying Jesus is the plan. As the band comes and we finish up, Jesus doesn't just give us the picture of what it means to be rescued. Jesus actually continues to speak. And as the church, we are listening. In Revelations chapter 3, Jesus is speaking to a church. And he says this, You say I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. 
So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me, so you will not be shamed by your nakedness. The ointment for your eyes, so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Now listen to verse 20. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. This is often used as this evangelism piece of, you know what, this is for the person who's never opened their heart and received Jesus. This is to the church. Jesus is speaking to his bride who is ignoring his leading, who's ignoring everything that Jesus wants to lead them in. The church is going, we've got it all together. We've got our wisdom. We're smart. We live in America. We're an American culture. We know everything. We don't need anyone's instruction. And Jesus is saying, you're absolutely wrong. You need my wisdom. And if you'll just open the door, I will come in and I will sit and share a meal with you. This is the beauty of the Proverbs. It's us sitting with the Lord and Him instructing us on how to live and how to deal and how to understand suffering and how to, to, to know how to use what, whether we're poor or we're rich to know how to live in the midst of that. This is the exchange that goes on with wisdom. Well, Jesus, I really think this about this topic. But Jesus, you say this about this topic. Well, Jesus, I say, because I've learned from the culture and I've had so much schooling about this. I say this about this topic. But Jesus, you say something different. It's always going to be the I say, but you say conversation. Do you put yourself in a place to even have that conversation? Or are you acting as one who does not need wisdom? And the only way you can know if you're being a fool, as Tim said last week, is by having another set of eyes to look through. The scripture is our lens in which we look through. The body of Christ is another safety net the Lord has installed for us to be informed of our foolishness. Because foolishness leads to death. Wisdom leads to life. So this morning, I don't know where you stand in this journey of wisdom and foolishness, but if you would, and you're in need of it, and if you're you're wanting to say, hey, I've been foolish, I'd just love for somebody to pray for me, there will be folks standing over this side of the room that are ready just to pray for you. Not going to make you fill out a card, not going to make you do anything goofy or silly, but they're just going to pray. And if you're at a place where you're like, I, I, I don't know what to say, then just go over and say, could you just pray for me? And they will. They'd love to. And if you're at a place where you've gone, I've never, I, I don't know about this Jesus being wisdom on my behalf. I don't get that. I'd love to have a conversation with you over there. And if it needs to bloom into something more, into coffee or whatever it is, that's the invitation. The journey for wisdom Get it. I love the simplicity of that. It is available to all, freely poured out on us through what Christ has done on the cross. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your wisdom. We love you. And I I just, I ask and I beg for you to continue to lead us as your people. Don't let us get content where we are, but Lord, would we be led on to the life you've offered us. It's in your name we pray.